friends, you're listening to the Shattered Ceilings Podcast with your hosts Stephanie and Adriana. We're here to discuss the importance of mental health from the perspective of two first-generation immigrants. Join in weekly as we dive into important topics such as relationships, parenting, and cultural barriers. Here, we get real and candid as we explore what disrupting the status quo looks like for each of us. Hey guys, welcome back to Shattered Ceilings Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephanie. And Adriana. And we're so glad to have you guys back with us today. We have an amazing episode in store for you guys with a lot of really good info that hopefully is going to be beneficial to you guys just like it was to us. Yeah, and then before we start, we want to say a huge thank you for all the feedback, all the support. I feel like we only got positive so far yeah (laughs) okay so far um but yeah we are so thankful that everyone was like reposting and sharing Mm -hmm. especially since it was just our intro it was very kind of basic and vague so Mm -hmm. i'm excited for this one if this was beneficial to you please share it as well and the support was definitely overwhelming overwhelmingly good i should say yeah and it just like proves to us that our romanian community is very supportive so thank you guys again yeah thank you i'm sorry if i haven't gotten back this weekend was a little busy. You had a hectic weekend, I didn't you? I had three birthdays this weekend Girl, in the family. Again, look at you, party queen. <laughs> um, it was my mom's 50th birthday. We surprised her. That's sweet. Which she ended up finding out about the surprise. She like, knew? <laughs> 10 minutes before. That's such a mom thing, I feel like. And you know what she did? <laughs> what? Because it was at my sister's house. She went through the backyard and opened the sliding door. And we're all like looking at the front door waiting for her. And we turn around and she's like, you can't surprise me. That's like, funny. Okay, I that's love it. Very my mom. Um, the other birthday was James, my husband. And then Julian, my little nephew. So January birthdays. Yeah. So thank you for whoever reached out to me. I'll probably get back to you guys today. But yeah. Very, very crazy weekend. How crazy was your weekend. Week? It was good. I am sick. Sorry, guys, for all the sniffles you might hear today. This month was rough on us with the sicknesses. I don't know if you guys can relate to us it's winter i know yeah. i don't know if it's allergies what it is my son's in school but it's probably what he's bringing home from school <laughs> so we just want to slide right into today's episode guys we have a lot to talk about we have a lot to unpack together yeah uh, mentally emotionally <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be really good um it helped adriana and i a lot just going over the notes the last week mm-hmm. and i think that it's gonna be helpful for you guys too we entitled today's episode stuck between two worlds the silent struggles of first generation americans and um, that's definitely a mouthful, but we're going to try to break it down for you guys and hopefully make it applicable, practical for you guys. And I think that it's an important topic to discuss because as we said, we're kind of trying to look at mental health from the perspective of first generation Americans. And I think this is a great intro episode for that. Yeah, I think everyone can definitely relate to this one. For sure. <laughs> so if you guys um, are raised in an immigrant household like Adriana and I were, then you probably understand immigrant households tend to emphasize um, three things. And those three things are family, culture, and religious heritage. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely the case for me growing up. First came God slash church. (laughs) Church was very like a very big thing for us. Mm -hmm. Then family and then definitely country. Um, Both my parents were and still are very patriotic. My first language was Romanian. 
I don't know if yours was. Oh, yeah. I didn't know English when I went to kindergarten. Yeah, same. And that's probably, like, the consensus for a lot of us that are watching. Um, And I love that. I'm so happy that my parents taught me Romanian. And that's actually something I passed down to my kids as well. Um, My husband is Romanian. So for us, it was important that um, as much as we could help it, that their first language was Romanian. So those three things, I think, are very emphasized in immigrant households. And there can definitely be benefits to that, but there are also negative effects to it when the increased expectations maybe that our parents have of us combined with a reluctance to address mental health, Mm -hmm. I think that can set us up for an emotional struggle as adults. Yes, and a struggle they probably don't understand, but we Mm -hmm. as a generation definitely (laughs) understand. Yes, definitely. So Adriana and I compiled a list of experiences um, that we think you guys as first-generation Americans might relate to. So we're going to kind of go through the list, talk about our personal experiences um, related to each point, Mm -hmm. and just kind of hope that you guys can relate to us in this sense. So the first thing on the list is a culture clash. So you don't feel, um, in my case, I never felt 100% Romanian. Mm -hmm. And then I never felt 100% American. (laughs) So yeah, so for example, I vividly remember when I was younger, um, I would go to lunch at school. And sometimes I'd get made fun of (laughs) because my mom would pack me cabbage rolls. Oh gosh, (laughs) sarmale. Yeah, Romanian cabbage rolls, sarmale in my lunchbox. And then my friends would have like their PB&Js with like the crust cut off. Yeah. (laughs) So that was like one thing where I felt like, man, like I kind of, you know, I don't really fit in. But then we would go to Romania every summer and I would like get made fun of when I spoke Romanian. Oh yeah. Because I had an accent. So I wasn't 100% Romanian either. So that, um, you know, can lead to later on in your life maybe kind of having an identity crisis Mm -hmm. because you just feel like you don't fit into either culture so mm -hmm. so that's definitely something that i think um, many of us immigrants deal with yeah i kind of want to piggyback on Mm -hmm. that like having that two identities and you're like which one is me and it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're both Mm -hmm. and you kind of need to navigate on how that works for you in your life Mm -hmm. i wanted to talk about the language because mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that you're still teaching your kids Romanian. Mm-hmm. And here I am, like, I don't know Romanian. Like, really? okay, I understand Romanian. I don't know. I don't speak it. If I really have to, I can. But I choose not to because I would be made fun of. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah. So it was tough. Growing up, I only knew Romanian. I went to school. And I remember... Like, no one knew how to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared. I remember going home, like, crying. I was like, I don't know English. Like, yeah. why did no one teach me English? But no one around us was, like, no one was speaking English to us. Mm-hmm. So I remember being in elementary, we had ESL. It was, mm-hmm. like, English as a second language. I was, also, I was always in that class. <laughs> yeah, well, also being in Michigan, there were definitely more, like kids with different ethnicities compared Mm -hmm. to like arizona more diversity yeah definitely more diversity so all the kids would go to recess and then there was just like us and a few other kids who Mm -hmm. would not go to recess to learn english and i remember being so (laughs) pissed at my parents like why didn't i know english now looking back i understand they barely knew english and didn't really pass it down but Mm -hmm. 
after learning English, I was like, okay, I'm going to be the best at English. I don't want to speak Romanian. Wow. I was very like, I'm not going to practice Romanian. I need to practice English. That's a good point. It's good. But now looking back, I'm like, dang it. I don't really speak Romanian well. Mm -hmm. I still understand, let's say like 90%. There's still words where I have to like ask my parents Mm -hmm. or like James, like, what does that mean? And then going to Romania, I went three times now. Mm -hmm. I thought I knew Romanian, and then I went to Romania, and I was like, oh, no, you guys talk way too fast. I don't understand. And then that's when I'm like, oh, you're so American. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, in America, I'm still like, I feel super foreign sometimes. And I joke with people, too, saying like, oh, sorry, English is not my first language. And I'm like, Romanian's not even my first language. Right. I actually think that's a struggle for a lot of um, teens, for sure, because... Like you said, you go to school and then, you know, all your peers are speaking English. Mm -hmm. So you want to try to fit in with them. But then during the week, you're probably, you know, very enmeshed in the Romanian community. The Romanian church, your parents, your grandparents. And when you're younger, I don't really think that you know yet how to choose for yourself. Mm -hmm. What cultural traits you want to keep. I think that comes maybe with age. Um, I didn't I didn't speak the best Romanian either honestly and then I married my husband and he spoke good Romanian because I mean he would go back every summer as a kid from Germany so I kind of started speaking with him even now I don't speak perfect Romanian but I'm like as long as my kids understand and even if it's not perfect the way they speak I don't care I'm just happy that they can speak with their grandparents so bilingual which is also important I think it's cool that you can do that so I'm Mm -hmm. sad that I didn't practice enough it's never too late adriana (laughs) yes and no so another thing i think we both dealt with or maybe just me is Mm -hmm. growing up and missing a lot of events in my childhood Mm -hmm. and at school just because my dad was working a lot and of course my mom was a stay-at-home mom with all the kids Mm -hmm. or them not really understanding the culture at school Mm -hmm. i was never allowed to go to like the dances or after school basketball games or soccer games I wanted to be a cheerleader so bad. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to. Yeah. So it was tough. Or I had friends at school, but they would invite me to their birthday parties or sleepovers. And I would ask my parents and they're like, no, we don't know them. Like they're not mm-hmm. Romanian. Yep. Which now looking back, I'm makes older. Sense. It makes sense. But mm-hmm. as a kid, you're just like, why am I an outcast? I, mm-hmm. I would come like to school on Monday and everyone's talking about the birthday party. And I'm like, and they would ask like, why didn't you come? And yeah. I had no, I'm not going to say my parents didn't let me. Right. I was just like, oh, I was busy. Sorry. <laughs> so it yeah. was a lot of kind of events growing up that made you more, I guess, sociable that I mm-hmm. was left out of. Summer camps. I didn't go to summer camps as a kid. I did didn't you? know that was a thing until like, yeah. I guess you get a little older. Yeah. I like, like <laughs> summer camps or like you said, school dances, like prom or homecoming. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like no way. My dad was like, so like against it. <laughs> yep. So just because I feel like they didn't maybe understand. And that really leads us into our third point that I think a lot of us maybe experienced teenage angst. And I mean that basically our parents did not understand our teen years Mm -hmm. because when they were teens, um, at least for my parents, they were growing up under communism. So when they were teenagers, they really had to just kind of fight for their freedoms. They were working from a very young age to basically... um, provide for their families so their teenage experience did not equal our teenage experience at all so I think that they didn't understand a lot of things we went through in mm-hmm. high school 
and there's already a disconnect there when you're a teenager just because you have like raging hormones you have like all these social you know things that you're going through and then to have you know your parents not understanding Mm -hmm. even more on top of that because they grew up in a different country in a different culture under a different government definitely kind of just complicates things which i get now thinking my parents both came here when they were like 16 mm-hmm. from Romania. And my dad, of course, had to work. And wow, they I don't young. even think he knew English. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're in Romania. So he was just working, met my mom, got married at 18, mm-hmm. and started having kids. And my dad was working 24 7. So what a I, different experience. Yeah. Than what, what? It's also like I can't relate to my dad. He came mm-hmm. here at 16, not knowing English, making a business, my mom raising kids, and here at 16. To even 20 i'm hanging out with friends shopping yep. listening to youtube literally and then crying so that i can't go hang out or go after church and hang right. out with friends and again i understand that they can't understand where we're coming from but at the same time that wasn't an excuse and we still had to deal with all those emotions that came going through all that yeah another big thing that i think most romanians deal with is feeling selfish for fouling our own dreams instead of pursuing the dreams that were set out for us. Mm-hmm. I know the biggest thing that we all hear at home is, I came here from Romania. I sacrificed <laughs> all these things. And I totally understand. I could not mm-hmm. imagine going through that. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys dealt with all that trauma. And mm-hmm. like, they really sacrificed their lives yep. coming here. Leaving everything. Yep. So I am so thankful they did that. I could never repay them back. But in a sense, that's always kind of a sort of like thing that would make me feel guilty. Like this is what they want for me. And if I don't do that, them coming to America was for no reason. Right. Their sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. So I know a lot of, I have a few people in my life, like family and friends who let's say their mom wanted to become a doctor mm-hmm. or wanted to pursue a career, didn't have the resources or couldn't. So when they had kids, they were like, hey, you need to be a doctor or mm-hmm. you need to be a lawyer. You need to make a name for yourself because we came here for you. And unfortunately, a lot of kids don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And they feel that guilty um, kind of, I guess if they want to pursue their dreams, they feel bad because Mm -hmm. they know their parents don't want that for them or it doesn't make enough money Mm -hmm. or all these things that come with that. So I know that's definitely a struggle that people deal with. That's kind of tough. Right. And I think that definitely has to do with limited autonomy. I think that our parents see us as an extension of themselves which honestly, being a parent myself, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would be different. <laughs> honestly, because yeah. I'm thinking right now, like you said, how they sacrificed everything, literally their lives. Like my dad came here illegally. Mm-hmm. So he was like escaping his country yeah. in hopes of setting up a better future for his kids, for his family. And then it's like, you can't even go to college where I want you to go. Like, yeah. like yeah. this is it I'm asking for you. Yeah, so I do totally see their um point like i said especially being a parent but it's definitely i think an elephant in the room that Mm -hmm. a lot of teens deal with and i think that being in america we have so many opportunities that our parents might not understand because Mm -hmm. maybe when they were growing up in their country you know for them success would only come with an education yeah but i think here in the states having so many opportunities like you know 
if you're a successful artist, if you're a successful musician, you know, you can do well for yourself. At the same time, I think we just have different priorities than our parents. I think that our parents prioritized um, or even thought of success equaling education or career. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of us see success as something different than what our parents would define it as, Mm -hmm. Um, which really leads us into our next point which (laughs) I think this applies to all immigrant households, never being praised for academics. Mm -hmm. Um, Success is expected. That was definitely the case for me. If I brought home an A, it was, why did I not bring home an A plus? Um, (laughs) So that was always kind of like a back and forth, uh, definitely with my mom, I remember. Looking back now, uh, I see the benefit in that because I think it instilled a work ethic in me Mm -hmm. that I have now as an adult but then the negative part of that is perfectionism (laughs) that I have a hard time kind of just being happy with an end product unless it's perfect Mm -hmm. so um, that's something that I recognize and I try not to pass on down to my kids um, because I think that that's very toxic and it's a very difficult trait to have as an adult that's something I think a lot of us dealt with yeah I think being perfect or wanting to kind of comes along with like people pleasing oh 100 that's a big one because you of course want to make your parents happy mm-hmm. and then you want to make the church happy of course there's nothing wrong with being the best version of yourself but putting yourself into this very little perfect box and of course we're human we're going to make mistakes and fail and then beating yourself about it yep it's just again toxic it's not good and then it's easy to put that on your kids without wanting to and then the cycle just keeps going yep <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. Another thing, um, I kind of laughed when I heard it. (laughs) Parents complaining that we are becoming too American. I remember being like, I am American. And they're like, no, you're not. You're Romanian. I'm like, I was born here. Again, I think it is taking the good out of the Romanian community. I'm never going to be fully Romanian or Mm -hmm. fully American. But we're in this culture this is what's around us it's hard to be that set apart i don't know if you guys dealt with this but when i kind of became a teenager and i would want to start going to like american churches with my Mm -hmm. friends for my dad it was like the end of the world and he's probably gonna look back at this and laugh because i still ended up at a romanian church with my kids but just like (laughs) wanting to go and like experience like the genuine fear that he had that I was going to become too Americanized. Mm -hmm. And I feel for him because I understand that fear of him coming to this country and wanting better for us and wanting us to take advantage of the opportunities we have here, but not wanting to lose his culture. Yeah. Because I think it's very easy. All it takes is one generation to not practice traditions and to lose your culture. So I definitely see the genuine fear that he had and i understand it but at the same time it does put a pressure on us to not you know be too american and that constant fear in your head that am i being too american am i being too romanian and then again that confusion of back and forth and really leading into our next point um is the constant pressure i think that we feel that we need to accomplish big and great things Mm -hmm. um Adriana touched on this, constantly being reminded that our parents left everything mm-hmm. in order for us to achieve something. Yeah. And um, I definitely think that that applies to all of us because I do understand, like I said, where our parents come from. I think that many of our parents hustled for sure in this country. Yeah. 
uh, and worked in order to get somewhere. I admire my dad so much um, for mm-hmm. where he's gotten. And I think a lot of us admire our parents. Oh, for sure. I don't know how my parents yeah. did it. I think about it. I'm like, I know. I don't, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't either. But I think that also translates into, okay, so they sacrificed and left everything that they knew. Mm-hmm. They left their family, their friends, their country, their language to come to a completely foreign and unknown place. Yeah. So what I do in my future is really going to be the backbone of their well-being. And mm-hmm. I need to make them proud. I need mm-hmm. to do something so great that that what they sacrificed is basically worth it. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a pressure that we face. Um, and that leads a lot into a uh, hustle mentality, which mm-hmm. me and Adriana want to talk about later on in an episode, because I think that it's definitely a an issue in immigrant communities. Mm-hmm. I think that we don't know how to turn ourselves off. Yeah. I think that, always working. Yeah. Always working, constantly going, constantly hustling, trying to prove ourselves, mm-hmm. not only to ourselves in our community, but also to our parents. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely something that we may all struggle with. Yeah. I love everything that you said. Another thing that I guess that I dealt in my household especially in the beginning it was like four girls so mm-hmm. my parents had to deal with food and like four teenage girls mm-hmm. so our thing was my parents were really big on just get married find a good romanian husband who's working mm-hmm. stay home have kids and mm-hmm. that's kind of your life set up for you mm-hmm. which again i have nothing against that lifestyle i know a lot of family and friends who have that mm-hmm. and props to all the moms mm-hmm. who are stay-at-home moms i think that's like the hardest job in the world. Yeah. But I think it's tough when you're 16, 17, 18, trying mm-hmm. to figure out all your peers are trying to figure out what college you're going to, what their degree mm-hmm. is. And here I am like, oh, I don't, I'm going to stay home and mm-hmm. get married. I need and, to get married. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't really the norm, at least at school. Of course, mm-hmm. at church, it was pretty similar, but mm-hmm. my parents weren't really big on education, especially with the girls. Mm-hmm. So I remember wanting to go to college and my parents were so confused. That's They're a like, good point. I never saw that perspective. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was at that. my house. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. like, why do you want to go to college? I'm like, well, everyone's going, I don't know, what if I want to do a career, just do something for myself. And Mm -hmm. not that they weren't supportive, but in the beginning, I think they were confused, especially Mm -hmm. since my other sisters were like wanting to go to school, but wanting to get married. And then I was third in line where I was like, no, I want to own a business. I want to get educated. And I was like that because I saw my dad own a business. So I was like, you're the reason why I want to do this. And it was just a very, I think, big misunderstanding. But of course, they supported me I went to school Mm -hmm. I got my career and I'm so happy I did that but I think like we're like we're kind of talking about your parents putting that pressure if you're grown up in a household where they just want you to get married at a young age have kids I think it does take some courage and boldness to be like hey that's not really for me at least as of right now for sure now I'm older and Mm -hmm. I'm like I can't wait to be a stay-at-home mom and stay with my kids and like Mm -hmm. raise a family but I'm also going to be 28 this year. Right. So if I never went to college or pursued any of my hobbies, I would have been like, what, 10 years just not doing nothing, but yeah. Makes really sense. doing nothing, just staying yeah. at home. And I think that it's really important that you shared your perspective because that's the point. It looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, even for, <laughs> for me, my dad's like biggest dream was for me to go to college. Yeah. He like worked his tail off to pay off my school Mm -hmm. and then I got married (laughs) at 21 
So, which was so great because he loved and he still loves my husband so Mm -hmm. much. So I know that he's happy that I made that choice. But I know that he always had, like, in the back of his mind, the disappointment that I never finished my school. And I'm laughing because last year I decided to go back to school, but not for what I initially wanted, which Mm -hmm. was nursing, psychology, which... Try to explain that to my dad, like oh, why I I'm doing that. Like, that's not a career. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't care. He's just happy that I went back to school and he's like yeah. so excited to attend my graduation in two Aww. months. Like, like it's different for everybody. Like yeah. I did the married and kids and then I did school. So it's like the journey is different for every person for and everyone. that's totally okay. That's actually the beauty of it is that it looks different for everyone. Cause if we all had the same stories, like what would be the point? <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. And. I think, again, it's a learning curve for our parents to Mm -hmm. understand where we're coming from and then for us to also understand our parents and kind of meet in the middle or just Mm -hmm. respect both ends and be supportive. Right. So I agree with it's you. It's definitely funny to kind of hear other stories of people going to school because their parents forced them to and yeah. then they stopped doing what they were doing and now they own a business or now yep. they're doing something else that's still bringing income, but it's not like the doctor income and the lawyer income and right. all these really amazing careers yeah but it's not what your parents were expecting but you're still doing something so. and i really think even if our parents might not admit it i think they're the most proud when we're happy like if I you so. see <laughs> really like because truly now as a mom like if my kid is happy mm-hmm. whether it's because he's like a farmer or like yeah. <laughs> whatever like if he is happy and he's content in his life yeah. what more can you ask for as a parent and i really think that's you know what our parents feel as well yeah even if they wouldn't admit it yeah they definitely want the best for us yeah yeah so i think this is our last kind of point that we talked about was gender-based double standards the treatment of daughters tend to be more protective strict and controlling Mm -hmm. i can relate to this because Mm -hmm. like i said a big family a lot of daughters and then sons Mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing the dynamic of how my parents treated us and i always joke with them too like you were way more strict than us than our brothers. And they're like, no, we weren't. I'm like, yes, you were. (laughs) Like, it's okay to admit that. Yeah. Which we were talking earlier too. I get it. When you have a daughter, Mm -hmm. you are more protective. It's a girl. You just want to make sure she's okay in this big, crazy world. But Mm -hmm. it's still funny to see when I went out, my parents wanted to know who I was with, where I was going. Mm -hmm. I needed to be home at a certain time. I remember going out especially after church with all the Romanians and it's a huge table by the time you get your food and the bill comes it's late Mm -hmm. and I remember my parents being like you need to come home it's nine o'clock and I'm like (laughs) I didn't even get my food yet and he was like well pay the bill and go and I remember having to do that and going home and then my parents were like okay good night and I like went in my room and I was like that was so lame I didn't even have fun but I had to come home yeah and now I go to my parents house my brothers come home later and my parents don't ask any questions and they're off to bed so it's it's funny I do laugh about it but Mm -hmm. definitely I think growing up girls had a different standard for sure what Mm -hmm. was kind of expected of us compared to the guys definitely and that definitely even plays into what you said regarding women being expected to marry have kids I think that in all immigrant communities, women are not expected to have a voice, really. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say that in a nice way, but they're kind of just expected to conform, I think, quicker than a man. Yeah. Um, I think in all cultures, that's just the case. 
like yeah, women not just Romanians yeah all cultures, cultures truly yeah. if you look in you know worldwide um women are expected to just conform to the standards of society mm-hmm. um and there is a beauty in being a woman but I don't want to raise my daughter to not be able to stand up for herself, mm-hmm. to not be able to have a voice or to speak out against things that are wrong. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that's kind of like looked down upon in a lot of immigrant communities. Yeah. So <laughs> that it might be an episode in itself. <laughs> for sure it will be. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of now that we've gone over this list and I don't know if you guys have related to one point, maybe to all points. But we don't want to stop there. We want to kind of dive into the psychology behind um, why uh, our parents reacted the way they did, why Mm -hmm. um, these ideologies are present in immigrant cultures. And I want to share a very interesting theory with you guys. Um, I want to talk about, uh, Adriana, you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy. Yes. Yeah. So for those of you who are not, um, Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist who created Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs in 1943. And it is a idea and a theory that relates to human development. So he created a pyramid. The pyramid has five levels. And in order to ascend, that first pyramid needs to be met. You need to know that you have food, water, shelter, and then you can ascend to the second level, which is related to security, Mm -hmm. safety, After those two levels have been met, you ascend to the third, which is belongingness and love. Um, And that is associated with relationships in your life, friendships. And that's kind of what we call the emotional level. Mm -hmm. Those three have been met. You go on to the fourth one, which is esteem needs. And it is relating to a human being feeling accomplishment in what they're doing in their life. And the point of Maslow's theory is that at the end of a human being's life, they should be able to ascend to the fifth or to the top of the pyramid, which is Mm self-actualization. And it is associated with a human being achieving their full potential in life. So the theory that I read and I found in my research uh, regarding immigrant communities I found it to be very interesting and it is talking about how when our immigrant parents arrive in a new country, their struggle really uh, revolves around meeting those basic needs for Mm -hmm. themselves and their family. So basically the first and the second level of the pyramid, Mm -hmm. they work extremely hard. I think that's the case in basically all of our immigrant parents. They deny themselves comfort. Um, to put basically food on the table and mm-hmm. a roof over our heads, yeah. which we've all heard. <laughs> I put this roof over your head and it's really true. And in trying to secure these foundational needs for survival, um, the problem occurs when there's a blockage and their emotional needs or the third level then becomes a low priority yeah. because they are basically hustling to provide physically and safety and security for their family. So all of their hard work and their sacrifices that they were made were needed to secure that bottom in the second level. And in doing so, sometimes they're not able to ascend to the third level of that pyramid um, belongingness, which is related to emotional needs. Mm -hmm. So then we have the problem where Our parents covered that important level of basic needs for us, Mm -hmm. so we don't need to worry about that. Then we, in turn, have the ability to grow and to be able to strive for that fourth and fifth level self-actualization and self-awareness. But since they themselves could not satisfy that level of emotional needs, 
the lack of emotional fulfillment will then translate into their parenting style, which I think is where we see a lot of that disconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, We (laughs) then are not maybe understood by them emotionally. Um, Also, I think it has a lot to do with maybe they themselves as children were not understood emotionally. Like I said, yeah, our parents grew up under communist uh, times, which was an extremely difficult period of history. Um, And I think that their parents, honestly, maybe did not have the ability to recognize the emotional needs of their children. Everything was controlled by fear. Right. Definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. And so I think that because they maybe did not have their emotional needs met, then they have a hard time uh, in turn understanding us. So Mm -hmm. when you really take that step and go back in time like that, it's easy to understand and see why they relate to things the way that they do. Yeah. And then sometimes certain immigrant parents might even experience depressive symptoms, for example, Mm -hmm. but they probably are not aware enough to realize their mental health struggles um, or maybe they don't even want to admit it. Yeah, I kind of wanted to say something. Go ahead. um, Not that it's off topic. It's about like the whole depression thing. I don't know if you know that Italian comedian, his name's like Sebastian. Mm-mm. Well, he was talking about his parents being Italian and like immigrants mm-hmm. and kind of like him telling his dad he's depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he pretty much was like, my dad was like, I've been depressed my whole life. Like get over <laughs> it kind of thing. So it's yeah. like they might be depressed and aware of it, but they're kind of just like, this is right. This is it. This is my life. So when I, when I like heard that, that's what I thought of because not that they're yeah. like one step ahead like how can i get better how can i mm-hmm. get out of this depression they're just kind of stuck in that and they think mm-hmm. this is this is life yeah this is what life gave them and this is what they're going to deal with so. right and it's funny but it's also like it really is, real to think yeah, of it like it that it's very sad to think about that too for sure and then a lot of times i think they also teach what they've been taught mm-hmm. so like i said if they grew up with their parents suppressing, you know, those emotional needs for them, they might just replicate what they saw. Mm-hmm. Um, they a lot of times won't make a bridge towards a solution. Like you said, they'll just kind of accept it, you know, for what it is. Mm-hmm. This is the point um, sometimes where a lot of immigrant parents may develop unhealthy coping habits. Um, the first one that I can think of that I think is very prevalent is overworking. Yeah, I think that um, they just get in this routine because that's all they knew since coming here. And it's easier to just overwork, spend your time instead of taking a minute to pause and just look at your surroundings and deal with what's in front of you. Yeah. So I think overworking, maybe sometimes in very extreme um, circumstances, maybe drinking or drugs might Mm -hmm. be their unhealthy coping habit. Uh, A lot of times they repress things emotionally Mm -hmm. and they move on without healing. And when I say that, what I am referring to is sweeping things under the rug. Yeah, I think, (laughs) yeah, that's a big one for sure in immigrant communities. That is really the way that they um, react to the mental health struggles that they're going through. And then a lot of times also positive traits of that certain culture are emphasized Mm -hmm. while the negative traits are just swept under the rug. And then you have somebody that comes in and tries to talk about it and they're just shut down or looked down. Yeah, looked down (laughs) upon. Um, So those are just kind of some ways that we can maybe just look at the bigger picture um, and kind of understand where our parents are coming from. Mm -hmm. I kind of just want to end this episode on a positive note 
And there are three things kind of that I thought of that might be helpful and beneficial that I've applied in my life that have really helped me um, and I think might be helpful to you guys too. So number one, I want you guys to know that it's okay to pave your own path. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it looks different from your parents' expectations. Yeah. Like I said, for me, it might not have been my dad's dream for me to get married right away. Although, like I said, he's very happy and he was supportive and happy at that time as well. Maybe it's not what he had dreamt of me to do or maybe it wasn't in his timeline, but it was what worked for me. Mm -hmm. And it was what, most importantly, God wanted for my life and my future. So know that that's okay. And then secondly, we can choose for ourselves what parts of our culture we want to keep and pass forward to our children. I'm very thankful for the values that my parents instilled in me. Like I said, my husband and I love the Romanian culture very much. We love the food, the language. So we try to pass, you know, a lot of those things down to our kids. But we can also at the same time choose what negative parts we would like to leave behind. Yeah. So that is really important for us to notice and realize that the future of, you know, our family is up to us. And what works for us. And the answer is really going to look different for every person and every Mm -hmm. circumstance. And then thirdly, honesty and communication with our parents is extremely important. Um, But at the same time, we want to be compassionate. I truly think that our parents desire to have uh, that kind of close relationship with us where we can open up to them about things, Mm -hmm. even if they don't know how to initiate that. But I really think that if we start with honesty and communication and compassion, most importantly, that that can be the first step in just healing maybe a lot of hurt from our past. Um, One thing I want to mention is I truly believe that our generation is a generation of cycle breakers. Um, I see us realizing a lot of toxic things that we don't want to take forward with us into our futures. And that can be really difficult sometimes. It's very important for us to admit it's difficult to break those cycles when you don't have parents maybe that are um, holding themselves accountable Mm -hmm. or saying, hey, you know, I should not have done this or I should have done this. It's still important for us to move on. And to continue to just, you know, break those cycles and decide what's best for our family. Yeah, so I love what you said about being compassionate with their struggles. I think it's really easy to be the victim and put all the blame on your parents and end right there. But I realized, especially through therapy, to have compassion, mm-hmm. realize where your parents came from, yeah. and kind of meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. I know when I had those conversations with my parents... I started realizing, well, my grandparents didn't say I love you to my parents. They weren't big huggers. Mm -hmm. So how awkward would it be for my parents to do that to us? So that's how we grew up. Mm -hmm. But since that lacked in my family, I'm like, I can't wait to hug my kids and say Mm -hmm. I love them. And maybe I'll overdo it because I didn't get that growing (laughs) up. Yeah. So I think that's really important to kind of have compassion, see where your parents came from. They're doing their best, just how we're going to do our best as parents. I'm sure our kids will grow up and be like you guys didn't do this and it's, <laughs> yeah again you can only get better so mm-hmm. i think that's super important to be honest have that communication with your parents mm-hmm. but also have i guess an open ear and mm-hmm. more of a positive outlook mm-hmm. so with that being said every week we're gonna have a little challenge for you guys yes we're i guess the challenge of this week is to pick one of the points we discussed and bring it up with your parents 
Remember to listen with compassion and an open ear. Mm-hmm. The discussion should hopefully end with a resolution. Yes. Just at least to see eye to eye. Maybe you'll still disagree, but mm-hmm. just to kind of have that communication. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thinking about this just because it took me a while to even talk to my parents about things I was dealing with. If you don't feel comfortable talking to your parents yet, maybe go talk to a friend, a family member, or just talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like conversations definitely help and help kind of any healing that you have inside and for sure not have that resentment towards your parents if that's what you're dealing with right now. The first step is noticing, you know, that you want to make a change and then having the conversation is super important, like you yeah. said, Adriana. So just to wrap up today's episode, guys, we just want to say thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for listening. We hope that this episode was beneficial for you guys. Um, If you have any feedback about the episode, go ahead and join our private Facebook group. We also have all of our social media handles will be linked down below. And we have a link tree in our Instagram bio where we have an anonymous suggestion box. And we want you guys to be able to offer suggestions for episodes or feedback or insight. You can do that anonymously. Mm -hmm. Um, We want you guys to feel comfortable to do that. So like I said, that is in our link tree, which is in our Instagram bio. Once again, thank you for being here with us, guys. We can't wait to see you back next week on another episode of Shattered Ceilings Podcast.